0: Cycle Jerks.
1: Uh.
0: Hey, get out of the road,
2: dummy. Uh. Cycle Jerks Podcast. All right, welcome everybody to Cycle Jerks Podcast, episode 136. Uh, We're joined today, as always, uh, with my co-host, the bright and shiny
0: dave dalton not this morning i'm not <laughs> bright and sunny at all
2: all I'm right hang, off. hang on a sec uh okay so our guest today is somebody i'm super excited to have on the on the program uh he'll be joining us in a few minutes his name's david lieb and uh he's a crankworks uh athlete free ride trail rider just an absolute boss on a bike and so, uh he'll be joining us soon and looking forward to it. All right, Dave. So, how you doing, buddy? Come on. It's a, it's
0: Monday. Let's I know and it's, only, it's, it's only it's only 7:19 and I'm just pissed off. <laughs> you know, look, you know, you know the old saying, most of our wounds are self-inflicted, but you know, yes. I'm trying to do the good, the right thing. By the way, I'm thrilled actually because um Jeff Lernowski and Trail Boss Academy is now on for as a sponsor. Oh, wow! So yeah, pretty awesome. Right. So listeners yeah. check out Trail Boss Academy Academy. I'll go into more detail on uh, Facebook and Instagram, but they've got some uh, awesome on trail clinics. There's a, uh, some of them coming up in Haas in Arizona and at the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. They got uh, one on appropriate that David's here, right? Yeah. And they got one-on-one clinics. But the yeah. reason I'm pissed off is, you know, I try to do their social media and I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I, I got to post my account. I got cycle jerks. I've got the pedal project that I I'm on. And I was posting about Jeff on trail boss. And I thought I was doing it on cycle jerks and I did it on mine. And now I just, I don't know why it just irks me but it just irks me and then you got to change the 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 tense right so when we're on cycle jerks or you should go to you know it's on mine I say you got to go to cycle jerks and then I end up going through I have pl- posted on six different places I have to go back and edit all the time and it's just it's <laughs> my poor thing. Okay, there you poor I thing <laughs> I thought there was something really
2: really uh that happened that maybe you know is causing some pain with the family and everything. No, this is just some little nuanced you internet
0: know, foible. Like uh, I'm 63 and I don't have much time and this is yeah. time is very important to me. I guess at your age that uh, we should be uh thankful that
2: you know how Count- to work the internet. Uh,
0: thank you. <laughs> the yeah. TikTok. Yeah, I got to get me a TikTok account. So. Oh, you should. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have
2: I have no I've never been on TikTok. No. Uh, yeah. Hey, so, where
0: did David go? He was logging on a minute ago.
2: I don't know. Yeah, he's supposed to join us at 730. Maybe he uh, was just testing things out or something.
0: I don't it, know. It Hopefully, the there's not going to be soon. any
2: technical uh, difficulties.
0: Yeah. yeah so, so, uh, so what's going on in your world? Well, just more building
2: on the ADU. Spent a lot of time in there uh, this past weekend. Got got some stuff buttoned up. They're going to be moved in. I think they'll be moved in, in about two weeks. No shit. Really? Yeah, so. Yeah. Getting down to the uh, final little details. Uh, the The flooring is getting put in on the twenty sixth. So uh, once the flooring goes in, then all the appliances go in, and then move moving in. Does it Does it feel small when you're in there? Uh, no. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And there's no furniture in there right now. So, right, yeah. And hey, they've been living in a little trailer for the last couple of years, so it's gonna feel like yeah. a mansion to
0: them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But uh no, you know I I, I, I
2: was going to tell you. So Saturday, right? I did my usual Saturday, the you know, 10,000
0: foot Saturday, right? Yeah. So um... I, I our next sponsor is going to be better help so so that you can do some counseling. <laughs> I saw that thing. Okay, but but, uh, right. but
2: I but so, I digress. So I go hard on Saturday, you know, just I really hurt myself on Saturday. Uh and so uh three out laps and then uh so sunday usually i would take sunday off but then i feel guilty because i end up taking monday off because we have the podcast i usually ride in the morning so then it ends up being sunday and monday off so if i can go on sunday then i'm gonna go on sunday so anyway i had i woke up i like okay i'm gonna do it so i get out there and i'm just thinking i'm gonna do a chill out lap so okay. i get uh and I did the fire and ice, so it's like a longer intro into it. And then, and then the, I start the Alp Lap, and I see this huge bunch of people, like in these uh, dark blue kits. It was like some huge group ride, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" I'm like, "Let me go, go hang with these we guys." We crashed his party. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I started going, and I'm I'm going like you know four watts per kilo. Uh, which is a lot for me. And um I get I finally attach on to these guys. It's the we do group.
0: Oh there must no have shit. been
2: yeah, there must have been like uh 30 we do uh people all riding wow. kits and stuff. And um so yeah, so I you know, I felt obligated to ride with those guys and they and they were going, they were going. And uh so I ended up putting in a big effort yesterday too, just just one lap. But it was yeah. like uh, you know in the 50 55 range you know which so is... when
0: when you look at the names on the side anyone notable like
2: nope yeah didn't recognize any of them okay. so um but they, they were riding good so uh so yeah you never know when inspiration how where when it's gonna hit you you know and uh yeah i was that's a lot yeah i was sore going into the ride thinking uh, i'm just gonna chill
0: that's a lot of vert for a weekend yeah 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 yeah. how about yeah. you did you get
2: out this weekend?
0: Uh, no because of the weather. so I did um, both days I did uh, i I'm doing those I'm doing a workout so I'm doing an FTP builder. Oh, okay. so I did I did the workout tacked on an extra hour on Saturday and then uh same thing on Sunday did it, did a workout. Then I did uh, an, an extra hour up out and that hurt. I did. Yeah. I thought, Oh, great. I'm war- I, I'm warmed up. No, I'm, I was worn out from the, uh, right. from the workout. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, these workouts are killer. So, yeah. uh, and I, I just, a- yeah. I started out feeling really good and then it's like way up. I'm like, uh, no. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. So you started to say something, real. you
0: started to do what?
2: Oh, I was just going to ask you about the classics. I mean, uh, we're heading right into classic season. So um I'm, yeah, I'm pretty I excited saw, to, to get that role. I
0: saw that. When's the first big one? Because they were, uh it was on Velo News or something. They said yeah. that it's coming up.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly.
0: Uh I think it's, it might be next weekend is the first weekend. All right. Man. So then we gotta find out where to watch it now that there's no GCN, right? Yeah, I think it's I mean, I just usually watch those YouTube
2: uh clips. You know, you can usually get like a 30, 30 or
0: 40 minutes. 40 minute Recap. kind of breakdown. Yeah. But yeah, um, well, I yeah, I'm cool with that too, except for you know right now currently unemployed you know it's i can have it on and watch the whole thing and you know go about doing my job search and everything so i can watch the whole thing mm-hmm. so i yeah, mean it looks it's, looks
2: like they start next week february 24th what's the first one the umloop
0: hit oh yeah newslot yeah.
2: yeah 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 so uh yeah well, so that i did,
0: I, be did, fun. I i did watch some of the cyclocross so they've had um that you mentioned the championship so they've had some pretty shitty weather over there so it should make for some interesting spring classics
2: yeah 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 nice So um oh all right well
0: uh yeah david but yeah know, no I don't, be know, I don't i don't know position. where to. i'm gonna have to look up where to or our listeners somebody tell us where to find them because I have. I'm pissing away all that money on Peacock and Flow bikes, and 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 I had GCN, but with GCN gone, which was yeah. a travesty. It is. Uh, yeah. yeah. If
2: anybody knows how to uh, access the classics, stream the classics, let us know out there. Yeah. Yeah, so, I've been. It's been a pretty fun morning. I've been deep diving the David Lieb catalog. Did, of uh, you know of clips man this guy puts out a lot of content
0: and yeah high quality content like crazy yeah well let's not (laughs) talk about his riding i want to find out about his van (laughs) yeah (laughs) i gotta get me one of those he's had a bunch of them over the over the years yeah Yeah. one of my uh
2: one of my colleagues um he just got a sprinter uh for work and uh Yeah. yeah i don't know he's He seems to think it's a good idea. He's going to sleep in it. He's not going to have hotels anymore. And then I told him, I go, you know, the company doesn't pay. The company reimburses you for hotels. He's like, yeah, but I'm just going to go low low down off the grid. I'm just like, okay,
0: dude. Yeah, he's rationalizing. (laughs) This is how he rationalized the expense to his wife. Yeah. You know? Right. That's how. That's all it is. That's how he explained it. I'm not saying they're not a good idea. I'd love to have one. Oh, me too. Do the whole you know, go to a cycling event and just sleep in it. Yeah, but that explanation, no one wants a smelly wrap in their bike shop. a shower in it. Yeah, that's right. I
2: had a uh, I had a guy that was working at a shop, um, and he was living in a sprinter, and uh, he had a, a fitness nineteen membership, and he would just go to the gym every morning, and uh, and then go hit the shower, and then yeah. go into go into work. Yeah, and, like you couldn't really tell,
0: you know. Yeah, God was I, living listen, in a van, but well, two things. First of all, um, I don't know if the if the regulations have changed, right? Yeah. But I had a, a friend that uh, had one of those, and he was going to get a sprinter van. Um, and as he was kind of designing it, then you know, it's like whatever, a hundred thousand bucks for the thing, and then, um, you know, five year car loan. Right. And uh, the person building it said, you know, if you put water in there, it turns it into a mobile home and you can get like 15 year financing on the thing. So he threw a water in there. Right. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, that's one thing. But story two is I have a friend that has a van and he's got this tricked out Jeep and he's got actually has a shower in his. Then he says it works out great says it works out fantastic i don't know if it's a, actually an indoor shower or one of those things you do it outside but he just showers in the thing he says great but maybe david will have an opinion on that yeah
2: but you know some people think camping's great too yeah you know what i mean bike yeah. packing you know you know sleeping on a on a slab
0: of, yeah. a rock or something you know? yeah. yeah 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 i like the fitness 19 thing that would work but yeah yeah, you could see it. So, and now with the, yeah. I mean, shit, they're letting homeless people uh,
2: sleep outside of Walmart and stuff. You could pretty much park your van anywhere, I think, and not or get hassled. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, uh, is David with us? I see I don't his. Know. I see his name. It looks like he's popped up there. Uh, okay, well,
0: maybe he's out at some mountain bike place, and the internet connection is <laughs> not great.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me check in with him to see, oh, he's connecting to audio right now. Okay. All right. This is good podcast stuff right here.
0: <laughs> our, our, our listeners are on the edge of their seats right now. That's right. Yep. Or they will be on Thursday.
2: So are you still, uh, you know, in retirement?
0: Uh, yeah. So we got to talk about that though. Cause I, I do officially start, um, subbing again uh first of march okay we got scheduling issues yeah 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 hey i i I think i'm ready to go sooner but i lined up the guests we got the lawyer and then we've got um after that we've got the um senior games people so all right everybody we're david joined now the, oh, oh go go, ahead mike. Go. go Damn, ahead mike
2: go ahead mike it up oh, again
0: there we go
2: <laughs> all right uh we're joined now by uh david lee who is a avid van lifer uh although i think i mean i don't know he's also a professional mountain biker uh i would maybe reverse the two of those but yeah van <laughs> life is pretty rad and i know dave's more excited about your van life than uh the bike riding but i digress anyway david welcome to the podcast
1: yeah thanks for having me mike um really stoked every time i get the chance to go on a podcast i love it just love having conversations with people so yeah thanks for thanks for having me
0: yeah that really is a fancy van it fits that big chair and you got a fire in the back that's really cool i gotta get a look inside (laughs) that van
1: yeah for sure it's like a magic van there's (laughs) just endless space in it Um, not really so actually i uh I hopped on a plane, and I flew home to Michigan for a few days, um, just okay. kind of taking a short break from van life, kind of go home, quick reset, and then uh, visit the family, then back out to Utah, where I'll be living it up in the van some more. Oh, yeah. man. Where yeah. where, in, where, in Michigan? I'm from southeastern Michigan, so it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dundee or Ida, Michigan. It's like in the southeast corner, just wow. above Toledo, just above Toledo, Ohio.
2: Okay. Do they have mountains there.
1: No, it's completely flat. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty interesting how I became a mountain bike rider in the flatlands of Michigan. But it really has <laughs> a lot to do with. <laughs> it has a lot to do with a BMX background, a pretty good motocross scene, and then just a really awesome bike shop who employed me for a while. I was a mechanic for a few years, and then. Yeah, they, that was kind of my access into mountain biking because the owner of the shop was a professional downhill racer back in the day. Mm-hmm. So he kind of guided me in the right direction. I was able to buy some bikes at a discount and really just kind of learn the ropes from him. Yeah, and he so
2: professional downhiller in the flats of Michigan also. So I, mean, I bet you like, I'd even
0: be good at that. I'd be good in Michigan. Yeah, you too. <laughs> I'm a uh, terrible descender. I'm yeah. a shitty descender. No, oh, he is. Good. Dave, you have no <laughs> idea. He is terrible.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Oh no, man, no you gotta work on that. Yeah. yeah.
2: So uh, I, we always like to find out like, when did it start for you? It sounds like uh, BMX was kind of like your gateway into, into bike riding. And uh, you know, I think all of us at one point we get a BMX bike and for some it's like, really meaningful and like this big thing that becomes all encompassing and then for most it's just kind of like
0: a a way to get to school and back and uh you know maybe break my arm in the summer so uh (laughs) david if you get just so that you know if you get mike going on uh, bmx we could be here till about you know noon so right. he knows he stayed,
1: he stayed at our I house started. one time. We oh, told okay. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, I got all day. We can get going on BMX or whatever, you know, it talk about a holiday. bands, talk about bikes, talk about yeah, coffee. Right. I don't care. I'm here for it. <laughs> but yeah, so BMX was definitely my gateway. Actually, I would say BMX and a combination of motocross. There's a really good motocross scene in Michigan, just with the Redbud Pro National and there's a bunch of local tracks there's probably like more motocross tracks than i don't know. like there's like six tracks within 15 minutes it's insane so oh, if you're wow. into motocross not a bad spot to be but with that said my parents were not super stoked on the idea of me racing motocross and i think that goes back to the first ever motocross race that we attended to watch when i was a kid because my parents don't have really an action sports background at all so we went to our local county <clears throat> we went to our local county fairgrounds where they had a little motocross race going on and it was not AMA sanctioned it was super sketchy and our neighbor got in a super bad crash and he it was just kind of a reckless situation wow. but from that moment on my mom was like you're not racing motocross so I always rode motocross but I never raced that was the thing but I had this desire to be competitive so for some reason, she let BMX freestyle slip through the cracks, and <laughs> yeah, I started competing when I was like 14, and yeah, it just kind of escalated from there. By the time I was 16, I won the Recon Tour, which was kind of a high-level amateur competition, and that propelled me into a BMX career while I was still in high school, so that was pretty cool, and then, you know, that was really all just, that was all just the building blocks for my mountain bike career I like to think and after high school I started working at a bike shop and that was where I said like that gave me the access to mountain bikes I bought a van in 2017 and I started traveling and I think 2018 is when I met you Mike and that's when I pulled up in your driveway in, <laughs> in northern California and that was a yeah that was just the beginning yeah. all right let's
0: explore let's explore this a little bit i know what, what is your connection is it will um or like how did you or did you just pull up and see that there's bikes in the garage <laughs> and decide to park there <laughs> the red oh, light was yeah, on so, on the porch dave <laughs> <laughs> yeah the light was on i was
1: like this looks like a good driveway to go yeah. there <laughs>
0: i better get there before they build the adu so that it would go, so they still have room for me so go <laughs> ahead yeah Insa- sure. inside joke david sorry
1: it's okay um yeah so i was at that time i was traveling my friend avery was in the van with me and we were hitting sea otter and just a little california tour and avery was friends with will and then that was kind of the connection for us to have a spot to park and camp out and that happened to be at mike's house so yeah just (laughs) super thankful for that opportunity and van life really introduces you to a lot of awesome people just because you're you're a little bit vulnerable like you don't necessarily always have a good plan when you're living in a van and then luckily just within the bike community somebody seems like they're always willing to take you in and that happened to be mike so stayed for a yeah. few days and then we were on our way
0: yeah yeah you know, he's he's never invited me to stay uh, geez
2: <laughs> i've seen your downhilling dave
0: <laughs> you know. yeah that's why he doesn't make the grade yeah. So when been, you were here, no you, when you were here, did you ride some of the local trails? Did they take you out?
1: Yeah, Will definitely showed us. I don't have a clue what they were called or I don't really remember too much now, but I remember, yeah, Will took us out on a few trails and it was nothing but good times. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's fun. Uh, you know, Will between myself and Will, both being so active in the bike world, you know, we have uh from time to time we get get folks like David to stay at the house and it's always like a highlight of our, our week or month, sometimes a year, you know, it depends on how many we get each year, but uh, yeah, it's always fun having, having, uh, meeting new people. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know David before he stayed with us, but, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Quickly connected yeah. and it's a yeah, good part a good of the
0: community. It's a good part of, yeah. uh, of the cycling community that there's people like you out there. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So let me, let's back up just a bit. So you're working in this bike shop right? And you buy a van. And this is so you're sort of getting into mountain biking at this point. Right? And then how do you sell your like, I like, unfortunately, my father gave me my advice, this advice, we you know, it was like, just go do something you love, right? And I'm like, yeah, right, dad, you had a corporate job all your life. So you don't really mean it. <laughs> you know, and I never followed a dream until much later in my life, but how do you sell your parents on the fact that mom, dad, uh, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm getting in a van and I'm going to be gone. And, you know, <laughs> and I, I love you, but you know, I may not be able to write. So, or, you know, so what, how do you sell that idea?
1: Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> in, well, I'll take it back a little bit. So at the end of my BMX career, I, my mom was very supportive. My mom and dad, they're both very supportive of my BMX career to the point where like because I was under 18, I went to Estonia. I went all over the country like I was traveling like crazy. And because I wasn't 18, my mom traveled with me to oh. those events while I was underage. So she had a pretty good idea that the bike community was made up of mostly good people. Um, So that was that was pretty cool. Then Mm -hmm. fast forward, as I started working at the bike shop, I uh, like that was my access to mountain bikes. I was a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I kind of I had a lot of experience traveling already from my BMX career. The thing is, with mountain biking, I had no intention of having a career at first. I was basically just doing it because it was like, okay, there's no more pressure from BMX. I'm just riding mountain bikes because I love it. It's something new to me. And it was like just this most the most stress-free thing that I could do on a bicycle. It was awesome. like Just new experiences. I just can't say enough good things about it. But the point wasn't to be a pro. It wasn't to make money. It was just something new that I loved. Fast forward to... So I started racing downhill in 2016, which is a little bit different than what a lot of slope style riders do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I started racing downhill. I actually did some cross-country races too. I raced the Iceman Challenge in Michigan, which is kind of a gnarly point-to-point winter yeah. um spandex swearing event. But <laughs> yeah, it was uh You wounded yeah, me. I did a lot of things, <laughs> and then by the time that I decided that maybe I want to do this for a career. I had tried my first slope style competition, which was a really good mixture of downhill racing. Or it was like, if you took my skills that I learned from downhill racing, going fast, hitting big jumps, doing gnarly things. And if you pair that with the tricks from BMX freestyle, then you kind of have this perfect mixture that can make for a really good slope style rider. So that was just awesome. And with the support of my parents, I was able to buy a van and then they were kind of just like, well, we're going to support you in whatever you do. So yeah, just do it with passion and enjoy it, man. Team mom and dad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thumbs up.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have done it without them. That's for sure.
0: Well,
2: yeah. I mean, that's that's so great. I mean, I, I've always told my kids, it's like, you know, it's important to, you know, obviously make money and find your way in the world, but just do something you care about. That's the thing that that's going to lead to uh, ultimate happiness in, in life. And, uh, you know, don't get strapped to a desk, like to Dave's point, some corporate desk job. I mean, there are some people that love that stuff, you know, but um, there's also people that are stuck in those positions too. And yeah want to be off in utah riding their mountain bike but are strapped to that desk 14 hours a day or whatever you know yeah. so yeah but uh, sure. I, that's awesome. i do
0: i want to get onto the slope side but i do want to you, you touch on something it's interesting to me so you're racing now bmx you were racing and, and doing freestyle or and, so, and then the go ahead sorry oh well um, then yeah, so then my next question is You said you got like there was no pressure. So are you like, I mean, this pressure because you're in these competitions and it's suddenly it's does it stop becoming fun because you're out there and it's just like you gotta win, you gotta win, you gotta win, and it takes the thrill out of it.
1: Yeah. So um, to touch on the pressure point, I think the pressure was all the pressure that I felt in BMX freestyle was all self inflicted. Like parents didn't put any pressure on me. It was just like I wanted to do the best that I could. So I was like, when I would go to a competition, I was like, I don't know, I wanted to do good. If that's the point of competing, in my opinion, is to yeah. do your best work, you know, and feel good about it. Um, that also comes with a price of you have expectations for yourself as far as performance. And then you have to train a certain amount to meet those expectations. So and then then with BMX Freestyle, there's a lot of interesting um, like factors in the competition world like specifically at that time i don't want to bash bmx but it's like there was some political factors in bmx and um just like a lot of drama i would say and then by the time that i had mentally moved on and found mountain biking i didn't have any competition in mountain biking i was just riding for the love of it which really it brought me back to a place where i was just like riding for fun Kind of felt like a little kid on a BMX bike again before I ever discovered competition. Yeah. Um, well, what like was actually, the first thing you asked?
0: Uh, was- oh, but was it freestyle and race? Yeah, I, I was, you, you freestyle and then you, did, is that what, that was your main thing? Or were you actually doing the the racing? I mean, were you doing, I guess, was it tricks? What, Yeah. What's- so.
1: So BMX freestyle for me was 100 freestyle. It was like skate park dirt jumps. Yeah, um, yeah, 100 freestyle. <laughs> I had no racing background at all, um, other than my childhood desire to race motocross, which never banned <laughs> out. <was> never- so <laughs> back to good parents. Kind of Let me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm actually like I'm actually thankful for the way it all turned out, though. Like I think yeah. there was some wisdom involved in my mom and dad's decision to not encourage me to race motocross yeah and that like i mean if i had raced motocross things might have played out completely differently i might have got hurt i might have just like never amounted to anything as far as like chasing these dreams and taking them as far as i have
2: yeah, um, yeah. So, well yeah, I, when
1: I, so, I i was sorry, gonna say right. i'm
2: sorry to interject but i was gonna say you know uh you know as a young person competing and ha and wanting to do uh, your best in these events. While there is pressure, I mean, I think that's probably benefited you greatly in later in life, right? So most, most kids in high school don't, don't experience that kind of pressure. Although maybe you could say like, obviously on the football team or, uh, you know, high level competition is available in high school, but, you know, to kind of disengage from all that as a young person, that's a lot to take in. You know, there's a lot of dynamics. Like you said, there's politics. Uh, mm-hmm. BMX has got its own uh, energy about it. That um, you know, there's some unsavory elements to it. Uh, there's like there's a lot of great people in it, but there's also you know the you know drugs and whatever else in um, in certain sectors. So it's kind of a lot as a young person to kind of navigate all that and then also achieve like high level uh, success in competition. So, you know, pressure makes diamonds as they say. So, um, but then checking out of it all together. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. Let me write that down. Hold on. Pressure makes diamonds. Okay. That's good. Uh, Okay,
2: I got a a million of them. All right. So, uh, but you know, then you fast forward, you know, you check out of that all together, get back to what it's all about. And that's having fun on the bike. Uh, but, but then it progresses back into this competition world, but probably uh, a lot more equipped, right? You mature uh, as you get older. And uh, I, certainly I think you're very mature with all the travel you've done at such a young age. You know, that forces you to be mature. You have to you know, deal with a lot of elements that most kids aren't dealing with. Um, and so and then now when you approach competition, do you find yourself still experiencing that same level of, anxiety or pressure or is it more like, hey man, this is what I do, this is what I love. I'm here I'm here to have fun and, and kill it.
1: Yeah, so I think it's it's really I think even this year, I've been having a harder time wrapping my head around all of the different elements, all the different headspaces. There's so many different things that can play into successful competition and competition that feels less successful. Mm -hmm. I've had years where I was feeling motivated, I was feeling like prepared, and things went right. You know, there's a lot of factors. Then Mm -hmm. there's been other years, for example, 2022, yeah, it was the end of 2022, I was feeling good all year, everything was going right, like I felt like things were finally starting to play out, like how I wanted. And then I tore my ACL in Australia, and that I feel like was a major turning point in me assessing risk versus reward and kind of figuring out where I want to go from here because I didn't... Like, that changed my life. Like, it completely changed my perspective on so many things. Yeah, I think I grew up more from that one in- injury than I did through six or seven years of traveling the world. Like, that one inj- injury changed me for sure and just opened my eyes to really just an in-depth analysis of risk versus reward yep
2: i can relate i've i've torn my acl and uh that's a gnarly one to come back from um i'm sure you know i don't have to tell you but the rehab the um you know to get it back to 100 like i don't feel like i ever got it back to 100
1: i don't know how about you do you feel like you got there yeah so i actually didn't get surgery yet Um, oh wow i i uh there was a really complicated timeline of how the injury played out. And there was all kinds of factors. I'll quickly go through it. It was basically, I, lost, I turned 26 and lost my insurance coverage two weeks after it happened. Oh, wow. And I was also in Australia when it happened. And then I got home and I saw five different doctors who told me, at this point I was like paying out of pocket. I saw five different doctors who told me my knee was fine. And I basically couldn't get an MRI, but I was able to get into physical therapy. And then I eventually was able to get an MRI, but I didn't get my results till my last day of physical therapy. And at that point, um, I was doing pretty well. Like I was able to do everything required of me in physical therapy. I was mobile again. I still had a lot of challenges and a long way to go, but then I started meeting with surgeons and... I met with a variety of surgeons and finally I got to meet with a surgeon that I was, that made me feel really comfortable and confident about where I was at. And he advised me to just be patient and wait, like don't rush into the surgery. Um, and yep. the reason for that was, is that I was already doing so well. He said like, you could, you can technically live without it if you're diligent about your training, mm-hmm. which I have been. And it's been really eye-opening, just to like how much training can help you. So I don't know if you're familiar with the knees over toes guy program. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that stuff is insane. Like I've been doing it without an ACL for a year, uh, probably over a year now. Yeah, over a year now. And I feel like I'm at ninety-five percent, which is pretty insane without an ACL.
2: Yeah. Wow. You know I. I- when I went through my, I so I torn my ACL twice. And when I went through the first surgery, I got to physical therapy. And uh, the woman who was my therapist at the time, she was a little nutso, I will say. Uh, she's really into Scientology. No offense, all our Scientology listeners, <laughs> but she was really into it. Uh, but there goes our
0: sponsorship, Church yeah. <laughs> yeah. of Scientology. There it goes. Uh,
2: she also <laughs> uh, uh, was... <laughs> She was said it. she wished that I had come in there before I had my surgery because mm-hmm. uh, she believes that most people that get ACL surgery don't need it and that a lot of people that are not quote unquote in shape or athlete, ath- athletes um, can h- recover and do, uh, we're used to working out anyway, so you can do workouts that would strengthen all the muscles and everything around the knee and you don't have to go have this invasive surgery. Um, of course that was after the fact, you know, and then I yeah. tore it again
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, uh, that was still in my head. But the second time I tore it, I also had, um, a bunch of meniscus and some other stuff that went, that was bad in, in the knee. And, um, yeah, I had a great surgeon the second time around and it weren't, it went good. And I do, my knee is way better than it was after the first surgery, uh, consequence, but, um, but still, like uh, the idea on a mountain bike, I know because I used to do nothing like uh, at your level, Dave. But I I would do three sixties, you know. Uh, that was something I could pull, and um, occasionally, you know, you over rotate or whatever something happens, and you have to kind of you can run out and save it. And uh, I lost the confidence in being able to run out of a of a of a jump gone wrong, wrong, you know, and because I yeah, just didn't that is,
1: I totally agree with that.
2: Yeah, I just don't feel like I just feel like that's where it's going to go if it's going to go. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that kind of sidelined me on all that, uh, which is probably good because I was in my, I don't know, like late 40s still doing this stuff, <laughs> you know, these young, young awesome. guys are doing, you know, but, um, but yeah. So, uh, and now I don't really mountain bike much because I, I don't know, it's like I can't see.
0: I got these big glasses and I don't hear so well. And, uh, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta uh, you, you got, I got, you got, you know, you, so. you kind of back down mike after your last you, you had a pretty bad crash on Del Valle with will right and uh, yeah. i remember talking to you afterwards and you kind of go like it's just not for me anymore yeah
2: the, the hard part is you, as, you, as you get older dave you'll see like things don't work the same like your hand eye coordination like i bet when you crash you know exactly what went wrong is that is that
1: accurate um yeah i would say so i guess to a certain extent like there's just so many factors like when i actually tore my acl i didn't crash which was super interesting i got wind blown on a jump and i was like flying a little crooked from the wind like huge wind gust hit me and then i just stuck my leg out to catch myself and i did catch myself so I mean, I know that the wind, I, I'm blaming the wind fully for that one. But actually, yeah. I can blame myself for riding in a situation where there, where I should have known that there was going to be wind. Um, it was a bit of a ridiculous situation. But <laughs> yeah, like you said, well the, been there. the more, yeah. yeah, the more you like, the biggest risk is running out of a fall. Like, I don't like to mess around with anything that is going to potentially cause that now. And that's yeah. where I just try to balance risk versus reward. Like if I feel like this risk is going to have a reward, whether it's self gratification, just feeling good, like I'll consider it, but I'm also just not going to do something that is high risk with no reward. You know, that's the biggest yeah. thing for me. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I want to dive into that a little bit, but um, more, cause I, I'm very curious cause this is one of the things I was going to ask you that I, when I'm looking when I was looking over all your Instagram and Facebook, I'm like, like, holy shit. Like, where <laughs> is that? I, I'm just, I'm very curious, but I do, I, I, but I am also very linear. And I think I, we fast forwarded through something. So I'm going to rewind. You're working in a bike shop. It's the place is pan flat. It's this guy's into mountain biking. I mean, do, is that you bought, how did you, that evolution from into mountain biking, you had to get the van to go someplace to mountain bike or this guy was leading you to comp the owner was leading you to competitions. I'm just trying to see where that passion for the, for the mountain bike came from. And I know we're backtracking a little bit, but I'm still, you know, like, I don't know that I'd be, I don't know that like I wouldn't be taking up skiing if I lived in an area that was pan flat. Right. So I don't think so a little bit on that. that's
1: That's a really good question. Um, so I there it's kind of a I guess it's a different story than the average mountain bike rider coming from the flatlands. But we we have a decent cross country um scene here. Like there's okay. there's some mountain bike trails that are actually pretty fun if you're on a short travel cross country bike or a hard tail. Like you can get pretty rowdy on these trails if you are willing to to pedal to get yourself up to speed. So that was kind of that's what we do for fun here is we go pedal a 10 mile loop and do a couple laps of it. And, um, it can be pretty fun. So okay. the people who haven't experienced that, you know, like, I'm sure that I could take any mountain bike rider out on my local trails that are an hour away and show okay. them a good time. If you have the right bike for the job. All right. there you um, go. Aside from that, I, there's also the story of like, how I got introduced into van life. And I got to give credit to Dakota Norton on that one. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Dakota Norton Mm -hmm. um, downhill racer. He, so I grew up around him uh, as far as like BMX goes, we shared a sponsor, the sponsor, it was called vert village. It was kind of like an indoor training facility, bike park thing. And as I saw him make the transition from BMX to mountain biking, He also encouraged me to make the transition to mountain biking at one point. He saw that I had a dirt jumper and he's like, David, you got to start riding downhill. And at that time, he was van lifing it pretty hard. Like He had an old sprinter and he was going to every single downhill race possible. So it was 2016 and he loaded me up and took me to the Mountain Creek Pro GRT in his van. So then I was just like, all right, like this van thing seems pretty cool. Like maybe I should get my own van so I can start traveling to mountain bike events. He's actually also from Michigan. So that's kind of the link there. So yeah, Dakota's from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. Um, He had a van going to mountain bike events and I looked up to him. So I thought that just made sense for me to do. And then that was really just my access to getting out of Michigan into the mountain biking destinations. Yeah, got it. Got it so how many months a year are you on the road uh in the van oh man it's been there's been a wide variety of answers to that question over the years Mm -hmm. i haven't so going back to the beginning the structure was pretty much work at the bike shop all winter save up as much money as possible working at the bike shop looked like i was doing i was doing a lot of mechanics um, a little bit of sales kind of just covering all the bases but mostly I was the mechanic mm-hmm. Um, so yeah I would just build bikes all winter do whatever mechanic work was available in the winter um, grind it out all through the spring save up as much money as possible usually I would save up like six to ten grand and have that in my bank account by the time like April and May came around mm-hmm. and then 2017 2018 2019 I did that like I would just save up money go van life it all summer and hit every (laughs) event possible do everything I could end up completely flat broke no money left just enough to make it home and go back to the bike shop and beg for my job back and they always (laughs) took me back so (laughs) Um, well I did that until 2019 when I was able to secure a few contracts that were able to keep me afloat oh nice
0: okay so that's how Mm. you're making it you got this you got the contracts the sponsorships and that's how you you, okay let's uh
2: let's do this though david uh it sounds like the guy that owns the bike shop had a big impact right he was (laughs) a he was a downhill racer and he continued Mm -hmm. to give you your job back even after you ditched him for the summer (laughs) the busiest
1: time of year yeah busy season was coming and i dipped out (laughs) yeah
2: could you uh can we give him a shout out is that cool
1: yeah for sure it's uh the bike shop is called spoke life cycles and they have four locations across northwestern ohio and the owners are brian or brian schroyer and rob golden so those guys are awesome and they've always taken care of me and they still do that's, that's, great.
0: Uh, that's awesome. I love that. Shout out to those guys. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. So before yeah, I, we get I, into,
0: I worked in a bike sh- after I owned my bike shop and I love the guy, but I worked at a bike shop and he, uh, uh, after I closed mine and I couldn't even get Saturdays off to go on my group ride. So, <laughs> <laughs> so kudos for them for giving you the summer. Off, All right. So. But let, before uh, we get I...
2: into more bikes, let me ask you this because we're talking about Ohio and Michigan,
0: <laughs> right? So,
2: I mean, do you follow college sports? Obviously, there's this humongous rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan. Where, where do you care? And if you do, where is your heart?
1: You know, I think so. Everyone around me is so invested in this rivalry. <laughs> yes. And to be honest, I have I could not possibly be more detached from it. Like that's awesome. I think it's I think it's awesome that people are invested in it and it. You know it. Gives them something to talk some smack about and <laughs> keeps them fired up. So yeah, I'm all for it. But yeah, I'm pretty pretty disconnected. I think if I had to pick, I'm just gonna go with Michigan because I'm that's where I grew up. So yeah, you're right. Go I get blue. it. Yeah, go blue. <laughs> Half-hearted, go blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's cool. Okay, all right. So um, we, you know, Dave, Dave and I have been spending a lot of time on your. On all your content man you produce a lot of content so do you uh do you actually do that yourself or do you have somebody now i notice Well, oh hang on before i get into that i notice there's a girl that accompanies you sometimes on these trips what's going on there yeah
1: Whoa. yeah so <laughs> yeah i have a i have a girlfriend her name is cheyenne uh-huh um, She, her name's Cheyenne Norton, so actually, she's Dakota Norton's sister. Oh, oh, Uh, are you? Are you and Dakota
0: still friends? Yeah, yeah, okay, (laughs) all right. Well, that probably makes
2: things a lot easier, right? She understands you don't have to explain your lifestyle or your need to ride the bike, she grew up with that, right? She knows, right? So, that, yeah, that's honestly,
1: does she ride a massive thing? Yeah, she, uh she rides. She's been, she got into it about two or three years ago. Um, okay. she definitely understands the whole, um, like being an athlete thing just from watching Dakota grow as an athlete. And yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's pretty cool. She's awesome. So she's yeah. super supportive.
2: Okay. Um, so now uh, that's good to hear. So uh, yeah,
0: well,
2: if it wasn't for my interesting, woman, is
0: she? Yeah, is she on? Is she on the road with you all the time, or does she just pop in? And I mean. I was just trying to figure out Mike's building an ADU in his backyard. I'm thinking, is it, is there room enough for two? Is there room enough for two in a van for long periods of time?
1: Um, she's been pretty like part-time as far as traveling goes. Just like a lot of the time, it doesn't make sense because she's like working on her own thing. And, and if she's with me, then it kind of takes away from her own um, like self-growth, but um, we yeah. make it work. And she actually, she just got a job in Utah she worked in Utah two years ago, and she just got another job in Utah. So she's going back out there, and we're going to be kind of in the same area. So that'll be cool. And um, That's good. Yeah, we'll be in the same area working on different things, like working on each of our own projects, but then, you know, connecting at the end of the day. What yeah. does she do? So she works at a place, her, her new job, which is what she did two years ago. She's working at this place called Under Canvas. It's like a glamping facility in it's near zion it's like a oh, okay. people come and stay in this big glamorous like canvas tent and it's just kind of an outdoor experience and she helps facilitate that whole thing yeah cool all
2: right let's Pretty get back cool. to it let's get back to your content so the, there's a lot of it and do you uh yeah i know a lot of it's film like there's definitely Uh, first-person filming happening so you're doing a lot of filming yourself but there's also someone else filming you from time to time and then beyond the filming there's the editing of it all and getting it all that mashed together with some cool music and to make it look good for Instagram who's doing all that
1: yeah so I love that question that's been a very big focus of mine the last few years is content production I think you can formulate a career off competition but Mm -hmm. then to stay relevant and to stay i guess productive you have to develop a skill for content creation especially in this social media culture so yeah. about three maybe four years ago i got a camera and the the sole purpose of me getting a camera was so that i could provide my sponsors higher quality like con- uh, higher quality content and product photos, like when I'd get a new set of wheels from industry nine and I want to like showcase on my social media, like just how beautiful those wheels are. Like I have sponsors that I absolutely love their product, which I'm super thankful for. So, and I like documenting it on my social media in an artistic way. So a camera just made sense to start doing higher quality content rather than always relying on, being nearby to some other photographer who's willing to give you photos for free. You know, that's just, uh, sometimes not always accessible. So I got the camera for the sake of product photography. And then I just dove head over heels into YouTube university, learning how to use it. So you can learn how to do anything on YouTube, honestly. And I'd say I'm about three to four years into, um, like I feel like I treat it like a college course. I go on YouTube, I watch the how-to videos for hours, just learning everything I can from the experts on there. And then I take it out in the field and I apply the new skills and concepts I've learned and kind of make them make the skills set in. Um, but yeah, I started with photos. And then once you kind of like figure out how to shoot f- like high quality photos, then you can start applying that same skill set to video Um, video is a whole nother beast like you have to understand the way the camera works and lighting and that's something I'm still working on but yeah just it's it turns out it's really fun and I enjoy uh, I, I enjoy shooting I enjoy producing content and then that brings me into the video editing so video editing is just yet another skill set in this whole category. And I just one day bought Final Cut Pro and started learning how to use it on YouTube. And then last year, I really made an effort to start like working on my YouTube channel. And it's still a huge work in progress. But at the events I went to last year, I went to Crankworks, Cans, Australia. I went to Innsbruck Whist- and then Whistler, and I was able to hire a personal filmer to kind of just film me the whole weekend and then just dump me all their footage. And then I would edit it myself. Wow. That way I could kind of craft my own vision for the video and do my own storytelling rather than relying on someone else. And then it also made it a bit more affordable to just pay for the filming and not pay for the editing. Yeah.
0: So there's a bit of iron. There's a bit of irony here, David, when you before you got on, I was bitching and moaning because I was frustrated posting stuff on my Instagram and (laughs) and cycle jerks Instagram and cycle jerks. Facebook and my Facebook and also this was a stupid post of a of a JPEG.
1: So <laughs> a yeah, little no.
0: embarrassed, a little embarrassed about my trials and tribulations when I hear your story about but, film editing. But
2: you know, david <laughs> okay. Dave is 63. So, you know, uh it's it's good yeah. that he
0: can he can even access the internet his advanced age. It's, it's yeah, it's good that I even have an Instagram account,
1: right? Yeah, yeah for sure. You're yeah. doing great, Dave. Keep up the good work. Keep it up, buddy. <laughs> Well, oh, I, I shit. let me know was, if you have any questions. So, <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> I want to chime in here about, uh, what a good, um, what a good path you're on with the videos. Uh, you know, I do feel like some of them are even like little mini movies, you know, where it's like, you know, the snow dripping off the bumper and the tailpipe and and then, you know, then it expands into, you know, you doing crazy shit on your bike. And, um, so you're, it's it's obvious that somebody's putting a lot of time and thought into the production of these things. And that's why I wanted to kind of, you know, touch on it, uh, because uh, it, as a, you know, I work for a company. I've been with Giant for a long time and, and uh, you know, it's yeah. a way to really add value. There's definitely like, you know, standing on a podium is cool and that impacts a lot of people at the event uh you know that were there they saw the action and they're excited and they're hyped up and they realize like you're the top dog or whatever or whatever and then um and then those are good on social media too but but the videos tend to resonate more with people and um particularly the types of videos that you're putting out like uh there's uh i want to kind of get into uh what's the gnarliest trail uh but I just watched some clip this morning of you riding behind some shredder in uh Virgin, Utah. And it was like it wasn't even really a trail and yet there's jumps in there. It just looks like you're riding through the this rocky cliffside craziness. Um so uh so that kind of content, that first person content where you're like behind the bars or you're watching and it's like oh my god, this is insane. Uh that's that's pretty great and it doesn't really require the same production value as the snow melted off the bumper you know what i mean but um yeah yeah so uh how do you how do you divvy that up is it more like you have that thing rolling all the time while it's in first person or you know on your maybe is it a chesty or a mouthy or how are you doing it
1: yeah so um just to i just want to touch on the uh first part thank you for uh, Thank you for watching the videos and um, appreciating that I put more work into it. That means a lot. Right. Um, I really enjoy just creating um, a more of an immersive video, and I'm still I'm still learning. Like I have a lot to learn, and I want to just keep getting better and better and better at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as integrating the first person content into these videos, and just like as far as first person content goes, I think it's amazing that we have these little cameras that can fit on your your body, your helmet, your bike, whatever, that can give people, like, a first-person look at what it's like to ride this super gnarly stuff out in Utah. And, you know, for people who might never get to go there, they can at least, like, kind of feel like they are experiencing it, or they can see it and be like, that's what I want to do someday. You know, that's been a lot of my career is just watching – People do epic stuff and getting inspired and then wanting to go do it for myself. So, okay, hang on, hang
2: on. Let me interrupt you right here. Okay, so while it was inspiring to you, most people look at that and go, Holy shit, look at this lunatic. This 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 guy's fucking
0: nuts. He's fucking nuts. (laughs) He not only does he have a van, he's jumping over the van. Oh, well, there's (laughs) that
2: too. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, but Um. you know, even for somebody like myself who's done, like, I've done you know whistler and all, i've ridden a lot of really uh crazy mountain bike trails still when i watch that virgin footage it's like yeah nope no thanks there's yeah. not any part of me that even is interested to do that you know so uh yeah. sorry to interrupt you there but yeah oh, it's, it's okay it's it's, it's wild i'm, I'm yeah. but at the same time i am thankful that you're recording it because there's just levels And you know, it's just a a way that you could just recognize somebody's just got like a whole nother gear, you know. I
0: I, I know, I and I'm uh, Michael Teller, right? Like, well, we've talked on it, I'm such a terrible descender, and but yeah, I can't, but I'm glued when I see something like that, or I or I'm watching Red Bull Rampage, or I'm watching some people ride on these narrow cliffs and and it's like you just can't help but to get glued and go how does someone do that it's incredible yeah
1: yeah so i think the video you're referring to is the one where i was following dj brandt um on a trail that i think he's worked on this trail a bunch i think yeah you can tell he's familiar
2: with it right he's in all black he's familiar with the trail he's kind of showing you and the other thing i love about it is your commentary during it Cause you're like, whoo, yo, you know, it's just like yeah. I'm feeling those same things that you're, you know. Anyway,
1: go ahead. For sure. No, I, I love the POV for that reason. Um, yeah. so as far as like <laughs> when I pull the POV camera out, so the my mount, I usually try to mount it underneath my visor. I think that's a really good angle. Yeah. Um, okay. Because it gives you like the the head turning, where yep. the chest mount doesn't give you the quite the um same pov perspective but yeah there's a few different ways to mount it up but um yeah following dj down those trails he's a he lives out there now so he moved there he's super comfortable with it he's ridden red bull rampage a few different times and um yeah i think tyler mccall also maybe helped build that trail i don't know a bunch of ogs like came together and um they made (laughs) there is some insane stuff out there like mind-blowing i go out there and that stuff's a bit out of my like comfort zone, but I love the challenge of it. And as long as I feel like I'm not going to die entirely, like I'll <laughs> usually go for it. Um, and actually, a lot of that stuff, minus the trail that I like, that video you're talking about, there was one section that I just like tipped over and slid down the whole trail. Oh uh, yeah. Um, that section, I it just happens to the exactly best of us. <laughs> yeah, he but slid the whole know thing what was at the bottom. what was that
2: (laughs) yeah i said you butt slid the whole thing
1: oh yeah yeah (laughs) i didn't know what was at the bottom so like i was having commitment issues to staying upright because i didn't know how much speed i was going to get and where it was going to take me so like i just like it was a challenge i didn't complete that trail um that might be the only trail that i've ever encountered that i wasn't able to ride and um going back out there so maybe i'll go give it another go but yeah you got
0: unfinished yeah, business right
1: yeah i do have some unfinished business for that trail yeah it's just it's crazy out there it's a different world it's a different style of riding it's just so chunky so different that yeah yeah it's like you could it's actually like if you can commit if you can mentally like envision yourself riding it it usually works out mm-hmm. um but when you don't when you can't see the vision, when you're like struggling to see how you're going to get down that, like that's when it can get really dangerous. So yeah. um that's when you might like miscalculate and ride off a cliff. Everything has to be calculated in your head before you uh, like actually drop in.
2: Yeah, I could totally relate to what you're saying based on my background of it. But um, yeah, because generally the times where I've had the biggest... <laughs> problems was the lack of commitment that you second guess it and then it's too by the time you second guess it it's too late it's over and now you're now you're dealing with crashing um so you have to fully commit uh and that's someone who hasn't fully committed to anything anywhere near as gnarly as what
0: you do um so uh, i I don't know the sport that well but would it have made any sense to pre-ride it at a slower pace and then go back and film it a lot of times you can't You can't pre-ride it at a slower pace. It has to be at the pace. If you're
2: ahead of the pace, it's a problem. And if you're behind the pace, problem. So it has to be at the pace. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can hurt yourself trying to be safe. Go too slow. Yeah. Yeah. You end up getting hurt. Okay. That happened to me at Whistler one time on uh, Dirt Merch at the very beginning. uh, The first time there and I'm all excited ride dirt merch and the, we we talked to this guy on the on the tram going up and the guy's all, oh yeah you know just follow me you know uh, he's like 3 years he goes there all all summer you know so uh and I got Will with me and Will was still developing his skills uh at the time younger and I said uh I go hey I don't know about following this dude you know this guy's this, this guy's 3 years in it's our first time here you know so Will followed him, and I thought about it. I just I brake checked the squirrel catcher at the very beginning, and yeah, ruined my leg. But basically crashed. I still was able to ride that whole week, but I had like a my whole thigh. I've never seen anything like it on, on me anyway. But from my knee to my hip was purple from the crash yeah. that I had. You know, and it was because I was trying to be safe, or you know, not just okay. send it at the right speed. So yeah, sorry, I answered your question. Dave, you probably have a lot more uh, context than I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, you're okay. That's a, that's a pretty common story though. You know, like you don't know the trail super well, you kind of are hesitant and it's like, it's best to, to look before you leave know what you're about to get into. Um, But yeah, sometimes you just got to fully commit and, if you're going for something you always have to fully commit. That's the right. that's the thing. Um referring to that U- Utah trail specifically, we were basically going as slow as the trail would allow and you really can't go any faster or slower. Like that's the thing in Utah. It's like there's trails where you can like go faster or slower, but most of the time you're just surviving the feature and then just kind of traversing to the next feature and it's not a race out there at all it's just uh can you survive this future that's kind yeah. of the whole name of the game which what, yeah.
0: trail was this so I gonna go back I didn't see this one i I'm gonna go back and watch this one now what was uh, which one was it
1: it's uh I'll send it to it was you Dave like a month ago
0: yeah yeah I'll send it to you
2: it'd be easier if I send it to you because I can pick uh. it real quick cool yeah so um so, in in sorry dave I'm cutting you off again so uh in the in the spirit of that trail in virgin that is that the gnarliest trail that you've ever ridden or is there like i mean you've been all over the world riding your mountain bike right so uh all these different terrains uh can you talk about the gnarliest uh conditions that you've encountered
1: yeah so there's really to answer your question the best there's such a variety of terrain that my skill set can like get me through a lot of it and like it's just different everywhere you go that's the thing like you go one of my favorite spots to ride is Santa Cruz like UCSC I love Santa Cruz California so much because I feel like my skill set works really well with that riding like some higher speed stuff some steep, steep stuff and it's just like awesome it's just a lot of nice dirt yeah but then you go to utah and it's like you could take some of the best rider you could take the best riders in the world and you could put them in utah and if they've never like specifically spent time in utah riding that terrain it's going to be super challenging for them yeah just completely different so on then uh so yeah santa cruz is awesome but it's gonna be, be
0: a lot a lot a lot of a lot, lot of happy people to hear you say that there's a lot of I mean, where this is around where we live right and santa cruz is is the destination so oh yeah that's, that's awesome how about europe
1: yeah um so in most of my time spent in europe has been on a slope style bike which has not really allowed for me to experience the terrain there i'm usually on a crafted course i ride my competition and then i leave i actually other okay i take that back the only time i've been to europe with a proper mountain bike was when i went to norway to hang out with braga vestovic and we rode some epic stuff up there so that was also just completely different than anything you'd experience in the united states yeah so yeah, yeah. um whistler another incredible spot i'd say like santa cruz whistler um utah and New Hampshire are my favorite spots. Okay. Um, Ooh, and all for very different reasons. Yeah. What, what when, is it about New Hampshire? New Hampshire kind of has like this a similar vibe. Well, at least the riding has like similar vibes to Santa Cruz in a way, but like much smaller scale, kind of small town, small town feel of Santa Cruz in a way. Like it's kind of got that dirt, like similar dirt and yeah, just... Um, I'm from, know, from like, New
0: England, so I'm curious, like, where in where in New Hampshire?
1: Uh, I've spent a lot of summers at Highland Mountain Bike Park. And in that whole, like, uh, what is that? Like, the Laconia, the Lakes region? Okay. Um, yeah, a lot of that riding there. That's kind of where I really crafted all of my skill. I spent every summer there since 2018, 2019, 2020, 21 every year I go for like at least a month. So yeah, it's uh it's an epic spot. That's cool. Yeah. The uh, it's, you know, I find
2: that I'm more like Santa Cruz and Whistler, like the dirt, you know, the way that uh, you get blue groove a lot and it's just like super fast and smooth. That's kind of more my jam than like the super, chunky stuff uh, you can find that in santa cruz and in whistler t- too but yeah. there's more of the more of that fast flowy jumpy kind of fun stuff that's kind of where i i find that i'm most happy you know when you were in whistler have you been to squamish
1: yeah yeah i got to ride squamish in 20 i think it was 2018 it's okay. been a while but yeah, yeah. I was having a heyday out in Squamish. That was oh, the, some of the best stuff ever. Did you ride full Nelson? Do you remember?
2: I mean, that's kind of like the one that it, it's... it. So if you don't remember the name, it's got like a bunch of switchbacks and every switchback is a berm. And you can okay. literally, you jump out of one berm across into another berm. And then mm-hmm. you just keep repeating that. And it was fun because I was with, uh, I think it's Alex... Hickson, Hickson? Al- uh, anyway, he's, he's a guy that lives there, and Will knew him somehow. And uh, but they're a lot younger, you know, and so they're going way fast. And I'm going, but I'm you know trying to keep up. And and uh, when I got to the bottom of the trail, I mean, I was just like so ecstatic, like that was the best trail, you know, experience I've ever had. And I yeah. get to the bottom and I'm feeling that, and Will looks at me and goes that was the best freaking trail I've ever ridden. And so it was just like, you know, we had this high five moment and it was like uh, somebody that wasn't going as fast as somebody, you know, with a higher skill set, faster, we had the same, same kind of experience. And, uh, but yeah, Squamish is just, it's incredible. It's so beautiful in there. And the, and the
1: dirt is just all time, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah what I, I went ask. in 20, 2018. I think it was 2018. Maybe it was 2017. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. I got to experience Squamish and I think that this year will be the first year that I get to go back to Squamish since then, oh, because nice. I have a little bit free, more of a freed up schedule. And yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'll uh, have to hit full Nelson for you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so David, oh, so you can get sk- full Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go, I was going to say
2: you compete in slope style. You compete in speed and style
1: uh do you do the pump track too you ever done that pump track worlds or any of that stuff i did some pump tracking about five years ago and i did okay at it you know i wasn't the fastest guy i wasn't the slowest guy but yeah i just that was something i feel like i did and then i just kind of my priorities just shifted a bit (laughs) yeah um but yeah i i think it's really cool it's just if i'm gonna do pump track i want to like fully focused and trained to be competitive, I didn't see much value for myself and going out there and just being kind of a mid pack guy, which is exactly yeah. where I was. And, uh, yeah, it's insane how fast those guys go though. And girls yeah. like I'm shredding.
2: Yeah. Taken so,
1: track really yeah. The
2: reason I want to ask is because there's a mm-hmm. lot of different disciplines in the free ride world, right? What mm-hmm. is, uh, I know you've had a lot of success in, uh, like the, uh oh shit slope style no what speed and style speed and style yeah speed and style right so like the u.s open i think you won that right and then uh i I don't know anyway i'm probably butchering the whole thing what's your favorite (laughs) uh what's your favorite (laughs) discipline of all the different free ride elements is there
1: one that like really speaks to you yeah so i guess Going back to my early days, like with BMX and then racing downhill, I think my skill set is, it's pretty wide. Like it can cover a lot of, um, a lot of different categories, which I'm super thankful for. Cause like anywhere I go, I'm usually able to like figure out how to do reasonably well. Mm -hmm. In 2019, I won the Fox us open or cliff Fox us open of slope style And I was at Highland Mountain Bike Park in New Hampshire. So that was kind of like where my slopestyle career accelerated into like the higher levels. And then I really focused on slopestyle over the years, which is just doing massive tricks on massive jumps and um, lots of airtime and crazy maneuvers and upside down variations. But that was kind of the focus of my entire career up until now. And you know, I'm thankful for that. I love it. It was taking a lot of the tricks I learned from BMX and it's just the best thing ever, really. As as I kind of achieved my goals in slope style, I then formed new goals. And then while I was at Crankworx competing in slope style, I was always a little bit like envious of the people who were doing speed and style because I thought it looked really fun. So speed and style, I, I also have a background in dual slalom racing. So, okay. at the time I was racing downhill, I was also racing dual slalom. So, Speed and Style at Crankworks is like the perfect mix of dual slalom where you're you're getting that racing energy and then you're also just like firing off your slope style tricks for added points. And it's kind of a wild a wild event to watch. I think it might be one of the more entertaining ones to watch if you like actually pay attention to what's going on. For sure. But yeah, last year I was like fully focused on speed and style and I was able to get two Crankworx podiums, which was kind of a dream come true just to, yeah. you know, I mean, spraying champagne at your buddies on the Crankworx podium is <laughs> one of the best things in life. So yeah. <laughs> got to got to check that box off. And then, uh, yeah, this year, my biggest focus, I think, is working on my YouTube channel, pulling back from competition a little bit just to focus on media projects and kind of creative outlet but i'm still gonna hit crankworks whistler and i i'm signed up for speed and style signed up for dual slalom air dh like all the fun events i won't be doing slope style at that one but okay. yeah I'm just kind of gonna go and have fun with it and you know make a video while i'm there <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a year late in asking this question because you said you're going to focus on your on your video. But I'm curious if, like you said, it my schedule allows. So like I I know that I want to be sensitive to your time. I I don't know how we cram a year into it, but you set up like okay, I'm, the van is loaded, right? I, I'm packed up. What does a year look like? Do you, I mean, do you have that mapped out for a year or, or does someone all of a sudden say, call you on the phone and say, hey, meet me in New Hampshire? Right. So I'm curious. Yeah. To so just event to event or what?
1: For sure. So up until, up until this year, I think this year is going to be the first year where I have more freedom to decide my own fate. You know, like up until this year, it was my schedule was always dictated by the FMB, the Freeride Mountain Bike uh, World Tour schedule, and the Crankworx World Tour schedule. So both of those tours would pretty much fill up my entire season with events that I knew that I wanted to be at. And after doing that for so many years, going into this year, I have this new van build that I'm really stoked on. Um, I've of developed my camera skills into a spot where i feel confident that i can produce videos that i'm happy with and i am not doing the fmb tour this year just because i've accomplished all my goals you know like i've competed in red bull joyride i after tearing my acl i made my return to competition at the highest level Mm -hmm. and like with all these goals completed It just feels like the perfect time to take on a new adventure, go ride in new places, get out on the trail bike more, and kind of just worry less about going to all these countries to compete, you know? It's like, there's more that I want to see, and if I can tell a story while doing it with my camera and, you know, just enjoy the ride a little bit more, that's kind of my focus this year, so... That leaves me with a more open schedule to um, kind of craft this adventure and wherever it may end up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I kind of got a sense of that when you were talking about some of these other countries where you kind of come in, do your thing and leave. And, you know, you kind of miss some great opportunities, right? You're there just getting there's an ordeal and getting home's an ordeal mm-hmm. you know so uh if you weren't on such a schedule maybe you could schedule another couple weeks where you could you know be in s- south africa for a couple weeks or or uh, wherever you're traveling to and uh, not be such a slave to the to the grind of the different uh tours you know so i think right. i think uh i think that's great that's going to it's really going to change it's kind of similar dave and i had a a couple guys on a couple weeks ago that they rode across the United States on, on road bikes and they did it in 60 days, right? So they didn't, they weren't hammering, you know, like a race across America. They just took their time Mm -hmm. and they went to these specific spots and, and, uh, had this really, uh, enjoyable experience. They went to Niagara Falls and all these different spots along the way that they wanted to do. And, uh, sounds like you're going to be doing your version of that, uh, with this year and, I think, I think you're going to find it really satisfying. Those guys certainly had an amazing time, trip of a lifetime, you know? And uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for this new venture for you.
1: With yeah. The, that sounds like a, that sounds like an awesome trip alone. Just
2: yeah. Group I've been. Th- th- I don't know about Dave, but yeah, country. I don't know about Dave, but I've been thinking about it ever since that, ever since that podcast, how, how okay. can I possibly do this? You know, so, how can I get this done?
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's
2: awesome.
0: Yeah. So, in answer to your question, I'm sorry, David. We're going to digress here, but so I'm currently unemployed. I'm going back to substitute teaching, right? So the 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 angst that has caused me about substitute teaching, which I feel great because I'm shaping young minds, it's scary that they allow me to do that. But (laughs) um, I was like, okay, what do you do for the summer? So I'm thinking I got to go to a bike shop and beg for a job. Well, I just found out that. School ends. A substitute teacher can follow. Can uh, file for unemployment. And I'm like, oh, I'd feel much better about working. But all of a sudden, I go, that gives me three months to ride somewhere. Oh boy! <laughs> really? Oh. I, I, oh my god! Do I share this idea with Sue or do I keep it to myself? <laughs> hey, yeah. I was a... So, so Mike, just tell, uh just tell Carson you're taking the summer off, and we'll go. Oh yeah. Got th- I got three months. I don't, so, I don't think giant would be as
2: understanding as Dave's, uh, Dave's employer back in Michigan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> taking the summer off as a bike yeah. rep. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to wait till I
0: retire, I think. But okay. even then I think it will be pretty challenging, but it
2: seems, seems
0: great. But I, I'm my, looking the point f- is my, my point is Mike. I've been thinking about it. Like, I don't know that I want 60 days, but I'm like, where could I ride in a, over the course of like X, you know, some destination ride. So yeah yeah they
2: also as a second act they rode from canada down to uh was it canada yeah, yeah i think yeah canada down to mexico uh through california and uh yeah it was so anyway they did some they did some ep- epic stuff on the bike and but the point of the whole thing was hey take your time do what you want to do enjoy yourself and uh you know after the career you've had obviously a ton of success now you got this opportunity to uh be your own boss a little bit and uh and have, have a little bit more time in each location so you can experience it more. Get back to Squamish well, and other places yeah. sure, you sure.
1: Know? Oh, yeah. Question,
0: question for you. You mentioned a long time ago that, um, I, I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but you, missed, you after your ACL, you mentioned the risk versus reward, right? And I mean, your career is kind of, you know, mandates that you do weird, like crazy shit, right? Yeah. So, but is it, like you're moving on to this thing, you've accomplished a lot and almost everything that you've wanted to accomplish is part of it is like the risk reward isn't there or I'm just, I'm getting older or is it just like, I've done it all move on. What's the next big thing?
1: Yeah, I think for the risk, the risk versus reward concept is something that's definitely developed as I get older. I'm 27 now and I look at things a whole lot differently than when I was 22 or 21 chasing the slope style dream at that point. Like I just felt kind of invincible and I guess I was at the time, you know, Mm -hmm, Um, as every 21 year old is they're somewhat invincible. They can take a slam.
0: The male, the male brain is not fully developed until about twenty-five. That's where that whole thing comes from. That's true story. It's it true is. story. They they, all, they they think it's they're invincible, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and that's why they, you know, the YouTube videos of people on their BMX bike jumping off roofs and whatnot. But go, okay, go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I think, um, I think about the time that I was twenty-five, I actually did start to think about things a little bit more. I was like, huh, like maybe I can do, like, I started, I think I started looking at things to where, like, I would do it in a calculated way. I would take risks in a calculated way. But I would do it in a way where like, all right, this is going to benefit my career, or it's going to make me really happy. You know, one of the two, it was was less of just sending my body into the air for no reason, started to become more intentional. And I think that also can be a benefit to the career because then you start thinking like how can i do this in a creative way that's going to um you know share mountain biking with the world rather than just doing reckless stuff for no reason okay or like at a competition just try to be more intentional yeah
0: yeah yeah Um, that's great perspective
1: yeah you know just want to share represent mountain biking well share mountain biking with the world and Preserve my body the best I can while doing it so that I can continue doing this for a long time.
2: Yeah. Well, you're certainly doing that now with the content that you're creating. It's really, uh, it's really cool, entertaining, inspiring, all the things. And uh, and so I I applaud you in that. And uh, that's why I wanted to touch on it. Do you have aspirations beyond? Uh, with creating these short films? I mean, do you have an idea like one day maybe you're going to create a movie or maybe even do a mountain bike film? You know, there's been a lot of mountain bike films um, over the years. Is that something you're aspiring to or uh, you're just still like right now, I've just got my head down. I'm just honing my skills.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely honing my skills at the moment. But I do have, I have some ideas. I have like 300 notes on my phone where i just write down all my ideas and probably half of those are ideas for things i want to film and edit and produce and just like visions for trips and how i'm going to film them and i would love to put it all together and make an epic mountain bike movie and i have a few ideas but i just think the timing is it's just not quite there yet and when that opportunity strikes i will be there ready to take advantage of it so yeah yeah, i uh even if it's even if it's not filming myself, you know, I like I don't have to be the star of the show. Like I would love to produce some kind of a mountain bike film that you know displays mountain biking. And honestly, if I can be behind the camera, that could even allow me to focus on um, doing the best quality production as well. And I think you know it's something that can go hand in hand with my current career where i'm in the spotlight like i can use the skills to nurture that whole thing but i can also develop my skills to tell other people's stories and there's no reason that i can't do both and do both well so just uh working hard at it and gonna keep honing the skills for now i
0: i, I think it's awesome look i you know for i would say that a non-mountain bike people, right? They'll look at some of this kind of riding that you do and they'll go, these just, these people are crazy. But at the end of the day, you're, you're athletes, right? And you are, it's a craft and you've worked hard at getting there. So, uh, you know, and to do it, you're just not, as you said, just throwing your, your body in the air to do crazy shit, right? This is very (laughs) calculated. And I think, if you're telling that story, I think you, you do, you open up a lot of people's eyes to I'm, I'm waxing philosophical here, but I think you do open up your um, people's eyes to the fact that no, we're not, we're, we're, we're athletes. Right. And this is just the the path we've chosen. And I think it'd be a, a great way to showcase and introduce people to mountain biking, if you will. So, yeah. Yeah. I can't help I but think
2: uh, about your background, everything you've gone through in your life, that would lead you to ultimately making a film i think that's why i asked the question you know because i think you'd you know you've obviously got a an uh an interest in it you're producing shorter versions now and um yeah for to to share mountain biking with the world uh you know that's that would be a, a grand opportunity to do so you know so uh yeah man i wish you well on that that's a that's yeah. a big ambition. And, uh, it would be awesome to see that come to be one day.
0: You yeah. Know? I'll keep Thank my you. Netflix, I'll keep my Netflix, uh, subscription <laughs> and I'll, I'll wait for the movie. So <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah. Good. Hey, but do you, so you're not competing as if you're not competing as much, I, I don't know how much prize money there is and all that. So uh, presumably, you know, your living comes in part, uh, presumably from your, um, from your contract so give a shout out to some of those products that you you love so much you you said industry nine i think right
1: oh yeah yeah definitely yeah. industry so- nine they're industry nine is one of my longest standing sponsors i have a cool story with industry nine that i want to sure. share but sure. i when i was working at the bike shop i bought my first set of industry nine wheels as an employee like through the employee discount program mm-hmm. and then Maybe like a year after that, I was able to meet the team manager at the time. And he started giving me a discount on wheels, which is a little bit better than the employee discount. Then I got my first set of free wheels. Then I started getting paid. And it's like, I've literally been able to climb the entire ladder of my career with the support of industry nine, all the way from buying those wheels at the bike shop. Right so on. Um, and that's kind of a similar story with a lot of my sponsors. They've been supporting me through my whole career. Um, Going back to GT Bicycles, that's my frame sponsor. They picked me up at the very beginning of my mountain bike career when there was any hope of something there. Um, And I was still working at the bike shop, and they were supporting me with frames. And that actually was a relationship that developed. I created a video at Ray's Indoor Mountain Bike Park in Cleveland. And the, the Cannondale rep at the time, was able like the Durrell sports rep was able to forward that into GT and that kind of got the whole relationship started. so that was just really cool. They've been with me my whole career and yeah, just thankful for all that. And then um, there's also, let's think we have GT industry nine, Kenda tires. They've been around since the beginning, Marzocchi suspension. That was a cool one to um, Mm. work with. And yeah, just awesome suspension. Like I, like i said before i love my bike like everything on it is the stuff that i would be buying if i wasn't sponsored so um That's yeah cool. kenda tires marzoki title title MTB out of canada they are kind of at the forefront of innovation for this whole like freeride mountain bike um componentry they make gyros for um dirt jumpers so you can do bar spins and just really high quality components for this uh this type of the sport where you beat your bike up a whole lot. Um <laughs> but yeah. And then uh also 510 Adidas, they've been around since the beginning of my career as well. And yeah, just the best shoes in mountain biking. And just I'm I'm so thankful for all of their support. Sometimes it doesn't even feel real that I can live my dream and these companies make it possible. So it's pretty cool. Man, well, that's... a
0: shout out to those to the brands for their loyalty and for you sticking with them as well too i mean to, to see it i mean every one of those people you said or companies you said is throughout my career and you don't see that a lot so you know, yeah uh, well i yeah, think this props.
2: it speaks to the job you're doing david you know i mean they see value in what you're providing and and um you're on the right track and you're, you know, you treat people, right. You're a good person. So one of the things that Dave touched on about this thing about free ride and athletes, right. Uh, there's kind of a, there's like a element to the sport, right. There is this party element where I think that that can undermine not everybody's engaged in the party, but there are, there are those in the sport that are, you know, party ride and, you know, you know, uh, liquid courage and all this other nonsense. Right. So, <laughs> How do you, uh, and a lot of those guys are some of the, the biggest names, you know, a lot of times, you know, so how do you balance, you know, first of all, I don't, you're not, I mean, everybody has beer once in a while or whatever can party from time to time, but that's not like your, your vibe at all. Your vibe is van life, contests and content, right? Um, And the party thing is not a big part of it. Can you talk to, talk to that a little bit? Because I do think that that undermines the athlete side of the sport a little bit
0: or people's perception of it. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think like you said, balance, you mentioned the word balance. I think balance is key. If, um, if you can have a strike a balance of maintaining your athleticism, you know, being fit, being strong, um, you gotta, it's like athleticism. It's time on the bike creativity you got to like nurture each one of these areas independently and like i'm not at all against partying um i just think that yeah some people maybe let it slip out of control a little bit but yeah like if we're at an event you will definitely see me at the after party you know having a beer socializing i think that that can be that can lead to some of the most memorable um fun times you know as long as you don't like drink so much that you don't remember it you right. know yeah. um, right but yeah it's like that's i i enjoy the social atmosphere of the parties yeah i just try to maintain a um a balance of where i don't go overboard you know um drink responsibly so that i can wake up for the ride the next day you know right um, so what all, you're saying is if a,
0: if if a big beer company wanted to be a sponsor you'd be agreeable to it is what you're saying <laughs>
1: yeah for sure you know yeah <laughs> we'll yeah. see uh, yeah. talk numbers yeah Hello.
2: i just remember being stunned that first week i went for crankworks uh in whistler and i just remember thinking like i mean I was, I was maybe one o'clock in the morning and it the party's going and i'm just thinking man i'm gonna be on a slope tomorrow at 10 i want to i want to i'm the guy who wants to get at the bike bar at least i used to be i'd want to get there when it opens and i want to shut it down you know maybe have lunch in the middle but i want to ride all day you know that's kind of my goal right and uh, to see these guys just so wasted at one and, and at night and then the next morning they're on the lift line i'm just like wow okay so that's maybe another level of athlete i hadn't considered
1: yeah. yeah no like you know? I mean some I've seen some crazy situations where people go out and they you know they're crazy people all night long and then they yeah. hey if, if, if that's their balance then uh if that's the balance they can maintain then good for them but um for me I'm like uh have three beers maximum and you know and then it's like I have a great time socialize um you can still you know, remember then, everything. Yeah, that's the goal, right? <laughs> um, what fun is it if you can't remember it? But yeah, uh, yeah I I definitely think my priorities lean more towards uh, being able to ride the next day and just feeling good on the bike while you're riding the next day. You know, so yeah. if if partying got in the way of that, then I'd have to reevaluate and uh, yeah, make some changes. But I uh, yeah, I, I like to drink some beers i like to have a good time and then i like even more so to get back on the bike the next day and you know take advantage of those uh epic whistler bike park laps
0: yeah 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 distinct advantage he doesn't have to drive the van home the van is his home so this (laughs) is
2: (laughs) that's right yeah All right. Well, listen, David, uh, I think we should probably wrap it up. Dave, do you have anything else you want to
0: No, man? This was awesome. Just, yeah. Yeah. Don't give us a computer slam stick around afterwards uh, for a second after we stop recording. So, uh, yeah, I was, this was awesome. Awesome stuff.
2: Yeah. What a career you've had, David. And, uh, like I said earlier, it just speaks to the kind of person that you are that you've been able to retain these sponsorships, uh, in a, in a field where like a lot of guys bounce around because, uh it's just the nature of it you know so uh you you know you're doing you're doing a great job and we're looking forward to the next chapter whatever that may be this year it's going to be travel have some fun maybe down the road maybe you're making a movie who knows
1: (laughs) yeah for sure when you uh when you were talking about your uh dream of like or you were talking about the guys who were riding across the country and you said you wanted to do it yeah i could not help but the filmmaker in me was thinking like that would be so sick to oh man like follow you in my van kind of be like a support car but also be like documentary filmmaker along the way and like tell your story oh I was my god like, That'd be so cool. that's what i was thinking <laughs> I'll
0: te- okay i'll text carson right now we're on to something this we got is, we have your number david <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah sounds good yeah All right. Well, well, that would be amazing to have. Oh, my gosh. okay, well, now I even even more inspired to try to make it happen. I still have to convince my wife, though. You know, she's very understanding. I ride my bike a lot. So to say that I'm going to be gone on the bike for 60 days. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, But uh, well, we'll see. I've got some years to work on it because I still have to work. So uh, you keep honing your skills. I'll keep working on my wife. Dave, you do the same. And who knows, maybe, we're, good. maybe we're able to pull this off one summer. Yeah,
0: David, <laughs> I've got to, I, I got the summer off. I'll call you. We don't have to wait for Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Let's make it happen. That'd be awesome. So fun. All right. All right, David,
0: uh, let everybody
2: know how can, uh, if they don't, not familiar with you, how do they follow you?
1: Can you put that out there? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thanks for watching. Um, if you, want to follow me on instagram it's David Lieb underscore and then on youtube which is where i'm going to be really prioritizing content this year it's David Lieb bike so great um, yeah hit me up send me a message ask me some questions i'm down for whatever
2: yeah awesome david well great thanks so much man i'm really uh really happy we were able to get you on and uh wishing nothing but success in 2023
0: and beyond so yeah uh, yeah yesterday, yesterday, yeah yeah, you had a hardcore roadie um, fully uh, engaged for an hour and a half, so this is great
1: stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's been, it's been fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. That's it, everybody. Thanks for joining us.
2: If you like what we're doing here at Cycle Jerks Podcast and you would like to support us, please check out our website at cyclejerkspodcast.buzzsprout.com. Hit the subscribe button. We shout out all subscribers. So, get on it. Another way you can support the podcast would be by giving us a five-star review on whatever streaming platform that you're listening on. We appreciate you. Thanks so much.
0: Cycle Jerks.
2: Hey, get out of the road. Dummy. Cycle Jerks podcast.